It's recording. <laughs> yo, 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 yo. Yes. Yo, yo, we're here. It's a new day. <laughs> it's official. You gonna lose your job. What? You gonna lose your job. Yeah. <laughs> you gonna lose your job. What? You gonna lose your job. Cause you got me. <laughs> Whatever she said, that was just. Oh, it captured oh. this moment. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> right? Sing all praises to praise everybody. Him. Praise him to Jesus, to Allah. We can go through the oh, other God. ones. Buddha. Buddha. Yahweh. <laughs> right? Let us just give thanks and pray <laughs> that we did it. We did it. We 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 did it. <laughs> So, if you haven't noticed, it's the Chi and Khalil show. You got Chi and Khalil hey. uh, down t- one time for the West Side, That's for right. the whole country, because Trump Tupe fiasco is out the door. <laughs> Sorry. Come January 20th, 12.01 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2021. Yes! So let's go ahead and say 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, because we're still holding down for time, one time for the West Side. Oh, for the West Side. At least some okay. of us are. One of us I mean, you know, the Constitution was written on the East Coast, so I'm just one of us was still born and raised in California and it's not faking the funk. And we have nerve we don't speak in Eastern Standard Time. Okay. Unless we happen to be over there. So Oh God. Okay. Anyways, we're off All topic. Right. So it's official. It's official. It's been called. It's been called. Um, yeah, it's game over. So it's a lot game of over. we're gonna have to go through like we're gonna go through like we love it, right? But we're gonna go through some of the nonsense things that may have been confusing some people about the Red Mirage and what had happened. So, yeah. So, what happened with the Red Mirage? You know how your boy, Toupe Fiasco, was all mad, like, oh, I went to bed thinking I was going to win and all these things. No. They're just finding (laughs) all the votes. No, (laughs) Yeah. So, they didn't find the votes mysteriously, okay? So, this was actually planned. So, a lot of these states that are swing states, the legislature is run by Republicans. So mm-hmm. they passed the rule, an official rule, that you're not allowed to count any of the mail-in or early ballots until election day or the day before. So it takes longer to process those votes. Yep. So if you actually wanted to have the actual results on election day, there's no reason to wait to start counting them. They should be counted yep. as they come in. And you can make, you can even pass a law like you're not going to announce the results until people have voted. Right. Some people want to do that for integrity and making sure that people get out to vote, blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. But if you purposely don't let people start counting votes, you can't cry about not counting the votes the day after. It's It was all a scheme to get their base riled up about the election and try to make the election seem illegitimate right. when what they're actually just trying to do is not count Democratic votes. Exactly. And not democratic, like party, just democratically done votes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you have the right to vote. So you use it. I'm just, I mean, both sides of the coin, but yeah. It's, it's all kinds of crazy. And when we get to BLM before BLM, we're going to talk about some of the voter suppression they did back then. They're still doing it now. They're still trying to make it so that not all voices are heard and it's garbage. It was always, it was always going to swing red because Trump told his people not to vote until election day. So they didn't vote early and didn't mail in their ballots versus Democrats who are saying, hey, everyone should vote. 
So to make sure you can vote safely and not die from voting, or to make sure that the lines aren't too long, etc., put in your votes now as soon as you get your mail-in ballot. So the Democratic votes were going to be heavier in the mail-in votes. So in Pennsylvania, Georgia, places where people were mailing in their votes and not allowed to count them, of course, it was going to be heavily Democratic (laughs) towards a Democratic Party when you started counting those votes. So yeah, the Republicans voted on election day, so then it appeared that they were way ahead. But no, Democrats had already voted. And when you get around to counting all those votes, then yeah. The Democratic Party is going to gain more votes. It's not. It was not rocket science. It's not a shock. It's not a sham. It's what the what the way the system was set up. That's what was going to happen the whole time. Well, let, let's just give let's just give a, a shout out to the Democrats and all those who really understood that we were in the midst of a global pandemic and still are, and said, "Well, let's just mail it in." Okay, and, that's number one. And it's not just that they're like it was in Democratic or like in the middle of pandemic. Republicans closed voting areas and polling stations in democratic areas. So in Georgia, in Texas, they they cut actually the the polling places. So if you tried to wait until voting day, you might have been there for 4 hours, 8 hours, 12 hours, etc. Like ridiculously long waits that basically doesn't actually if you have a job or if you have children, if you have a regular if you're a regular working class person, you don't have 8 to 12 hours to wait in polling in lines and polling places. So yeah, vote early to make sure your votes count. That's just Oh, and shout out to Stacey Abrams too because basically gave us Georgia. Nearly a million voters. Her candidacy, she actually won the governorship of Georgia, but she was right. robbed because white the, supremacy. Right. So one white supremacy and two the secretary of state who ran the election was also running her running against her and basically just suppressed the vote, her votes so that he, it appeared that he had more votes when in actuality, more Georgians actually voted for Stacey Abrams than him. Than him. So him. she had a lot of choices. Um, instead of doing the two pay fiasco route where, you know, just throw a temper tantrum and yell and scream and say nonsensical things. She actually just mobilized Georgia over the last several years to actually register Democrats, register African-Americans. In this election, two things happened. One, the Georgia presidential candidate flipped to the Democrats. Mm-hmm. The Democratic election for the presidential nominee switched to Democrat for the first time since Bill Clinton back in the 90s. And two... The two Republican state senator, Republican senators uh, from the state of Georgia, actually flipped now, and they're actually going to have to have runoffs for both. So in January, there's going to be another election, and the Georgia might send two Democrats to the Senate, which would actually make the count for the, the in the Senate Democratic fifty Democratic senators and. 48 Republican, which means your boy Mitch McConnell, who's basically been upholding democracy, I'm sorry, obstructing democracy by not voting on bills that are passed in the House or bills that are brought to him from the Senate, will not be there anymore. And things that Americans actually want to happen, like coronavirus, economic stimulus plans, health care reform, et cetera, will actually make it to a vote. Instead of just sitting there because your boy doesn't want them to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be a Senate, it, the Senate would be 50 50. And because the vice president gets that extra vote, it would be in our favor. 
even if we got the two Georgia, whatever you call it, and I then we only need one. I think two, we only need one. Because right now we only need one. It's forty-eight, forty-eight right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if both the, um, if both of the Georgian Senate seats go to Democrats, then it's fifty forty-eight. Yeah, but there's a hundred senators. Oh, my bad. I'm just like, okay, I've been drinking. Wow. I've been drinking. So who are the why, other? Who are the other that's two? Why you're not Steve Karnacki. Who are the two that are? Um, who are the other two that are up in? Who are up in the air? Right. Um. Well. So now Senator Kamala Harris is no longer senator. Right. So California is oh, going okay. to bring in. They're definitely uh, going to bring in a Democrat right. for that. Right. Um. So we're going to have the majority in any anyway. I think even regardless. Unless Georgia gives it to the Republicans, like we should break even with our VP giving that extra tie-breaking vote if we can, which means we have a better chance over the next four years to actually get shit done, you know, good shit done, and and not be in this sort of regressive pattern that we've been in for the last 245 years. Right. Minus eight. No, minus 16. Minus the eight years that we were in power during the Reconstruction era and the eight years that Obama was also in power with Joe Biden. Right. Yeah. That's 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 basically how I see it. I I wanted to I wanted to say, where is it? Because I am all about I have been off of social media for the last like week. Um like oh, you're missing there, out. Maybe. Yo, you're missing out because the memes is on fire. Like, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm grateful for my friends like you who are sending me these memes <laughs> and texting me because I'm like, you know what? I just want to be in a space that when it is time to celebrate, I will celebrate, but I am not going to follow this roller coaster world of subjunctive tenses on the news. He could do this. He could do that. He would do that. I'm not, I'm not, I need definitive right now because we got places we need to go as a country. But um, one of the things that, that I was reminded of was a New Yorker article where Kamala Harris was talking about in every um, election or office that she has run for and won, she was the first two. It was like the first person of color, the first woman, the first black, the first Asian American, right? And that was in 2019. And now she is the first woman, the first black woman, the first Southeast Asian woman to literally be vice president of the United States. That is celebratory news, celebratory effing news, man. Like that she was born in a year, Khalil. She was born in a year where we couldn't even vote. We couldn't vote as black people. The, the Civil when was she born? The Rights Act hadn't even been passed yet. When was she born? 64. Oh, okay. 64. So like for her to then this person come out of it, man, you know, there, there is, there is too much celebrating on just that point that needs to happen. We need to have a lot more like joy around that. We did that shit. Y'all we voted her in. Maybe there's the middle of the country that didn't feel like, you know, this was the, the way to go, but we did that collectively over 4 million more votes the most a number of votes for any candidate on the Democrat side or the Republican side in history, we showed up. That means we can do it again. And I haven't seen the demographic breakdown of like who's voting, which blocks were representing more. I know a lot of people are talking about how the black women have saved this and saved that again. 
to a certain extent, I'm a little bit tired of the black women saving everybody. I need everybody else to get on board and see this is not just about us and holding it on our shoulders, but that we, but if you want us to, we are going to be breaking ceilings like Kamala Harris says. And you can't get mad at us when we tell you that you're do you're effing up, you're doing something wrong and we need to do better. If, the, if you're going to lay that responsibility on us. But I am saying that instead of just being like, oh, the black woman saved us, get your butts out your seats and start calling, advocating, get involved in your community organizations, speak up. You literally have more power than you know. Like you've been saying this, Khalil. It's like, dude, if everybody who's been marginalized just got together and said, we're going to do this. Can you imagine how much we would get done? Like, ding dong, yes, the witch is dead, but we still got white supremacy on its head. Oh my God. Oh my gosh, I rhyme. Did you hear that? Anyway, but yes, he's dead. He's going to be out January 20th, 12.01 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9.01 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. But white supremacy still exists. And it's so, in our laws and it's in our policies and we need to fight that. Let's take this energy that we have and move forward. But you already told us you already told us a secret though in your in your statement. So what? this is the thing about white supremacy, right? Mm-hmm. It tricks the poor farmer or farmhand in Nebraska who's white mm-hmm. into thinking that Trump is his friend, and he has more in in common with Trump than he does with you and I. Yep. So yep. what white America doesn't realize is that yes. the average white American is marginalized mm. just like the rest of us because mm. they don't actually reap the benefits of the oligarchy like billionaires do. So it gives them the illusion that they're part of the power structure when really mm-hmm. all they are is peons that are used to enforce the power structure from above. So, in and this goes back to way back in the colonies, and you can look this up. In the colonies, the European mm-hmm. serfs were treated just like the African immigrants, quote unquote mm. immigrants, right? Hostages, whatever you want to call them, whatever you want to call both parties, because neither party came of their own free will. So basically, in in Europe, the lords owned all the serfs for right. all intents and purposes, and right. with kind of mechanization, they didn't need as many to work the farms and they were overpopulated. So they sold them to the United States to have to come here and work in the colonies. Mm -hmm. So most of the actual slave revolts in the colonies were multiracial because the Africans and Europeans and Native Americans were all treated just as shitty by the overlords. So what the legislatures did back in the day, they said, hey, we got to stop this. So what we're going to do is we're going to give the Europeans a little sense of superiority over the Africans and the natives. And they're going to keep, they're going to be so busy trying to keep them below us that they're going to forget that we're picking their pocket. Right. And that's right. basically Trump's whole campaign. Right. And it's still working. And in almost every state, except for Oregon and Washington, white males still voted for Trump over Biden in every hmm. single state. Except for two. That means Which two were those? Washington and Oregon. Wow. So except for Washington and Oregon, every state had the majority male going for every red state had the majority going male, the majority of males going towards Biden. White males. White males. White males. 
Yeah. Going towards Trump. Going towards Trump. Good Lord. And this Okay, is a- but that's Trump- interesting because that might be the dying ones. And I don't mean that pejoratively. I mean just the ones that are, are, are closer to the end of life on average, end of the lifespan on average, right? Like I would like to believe that. No, it's, I mean, I would have to go down to like the breakdown per age, but yeah. I mean, but still think- like, but this is the thing. So if it was for someone else, I might understand, mm-hmm. right? But Donald Trump is the worst person in the world. Like literally, he's the worst type of person ever. So he's proud of his ignorance. Like he just learned that Clorox kills germs in March. <laughs> he, you know I mean, above and beyond, like trying to say that people should inject it. Like he didn't realize that Clorox kills his germs. Like literally, that he thought that was profound, right? But he thinks he's smarter than everyone else, right? So he's been a he's been a horrible businessman his whole life. He inherited a, a lot of money and would have a lot more if he wasn't such a bad businessman. Yes, yes, right. He like he doesn't he's not a good family man. He's not good to his children. He's not good to any of his spouses. <laughs> like we had to say spouses, right? He's not good. He's not even good to like his call the call girls that he pays, right? Like even they don't like him. So mm. all he's good at is being a con man. And mind you, he's run cons his whole life. His whole business entrepreneurship has been just running cons. So he is a good con man. But outside of being a con man, like he is the worst person ever. And people still voted for that, even though we're dying from the coronavirus at levels way above and beyond every other country in the world, that the economy is tanking, that average worker rights are going away because he's telling them that you're better than the other people and you're part of us. You're part of the power structure. So white people, especially white males, want to feel a part of the power structure more than they want health care and to not die from the Rona. And for police to not kill them in the street. Like, that's how bad you want to hold on to this illusion that you're part of the power structure. When it's, And it's funny because it comes out like when you bring up police brutality and Black Lives Matter, people are like, well, white people kill, police kill white people all the time. Yeah. So you should be for the BLM movement against like, police brutality. Like that's an argument to be on our side. It's a nonsensical but, argument to say, yeah, they, they kill people all the time. Why is that okay? But like, that's legit, why is that okay to you? They just want to be uh, feel a part of the power structure more than they want to change the fact that the police kill people in the streets. Right, <laughs> right. That power is a drug when you don't feel like you have it. See, the, this is this is the con game when you're talking about con games that that society has has played on all of us, that there isn't enough, that there isn't enough power to go around, that there isn't enough capital to go around, that there isn't enough space to go around for the people that are here. Right. And it right. is a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> well, that's the no, goes back to the thing like we have wars because of scarcity. There's never been a war because of scarcity. There's been wars because people have a lot of things. Yes, that other people want. Well, no, you have enough time and energy to like actually train a warrior class, right? Because if there's if there's really scarce things, everyone's just trying to get some food and build housing and shelter. But no, no, no. Like you have so much food and shelter, et cetera, that you can have people that all they do is go around killing other people to take their stuff. And et cetera. It's it's expanded to the point that now you have people who have hundreds of billions of dollars mm. and you can't like, it's, you can't even imagine that, right? Like think about it. Like you can't imagine what a, a hundred billion is like even a billion dollars. You can't imagine what that is, right? You have a hundred billion dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Look at the homeless population in California, New York. 
you could literally, because there's actually more homes than people who live in the United States, right? So there's more vacant homes than there are homeless people, homeless families, et cetera. So you could just go buy all the vacant homes and get end homelessness in a second and still have a good 50 billion left over, right? But you choose not to, and you choose to do things like cut health insurance for people who work only part-time at Whole Foods, or not give hazard pay to people who are working in your warehouses at Amazon, even though even before the coronavirus, people in Amazon warehouses get injured at rates 10 times any other warehouse. So my point is, (laughs) if you're an average white male... Voting Republican just gives you the illusion of power and makes you lose out on health insurance, security for yourself and your family, it, mobility, economic mobility, so your kid can actually go to college, not have to worry about other rich parents just paying off people, etc. Like the whole thing is just an illusion. Like you want to hold on to feeling like you're part of the power structure instead of making it that you are actually part of the power structure. I, um, I'm just still thinking about the fact that there's a black woman who's about to be <laughs> that's vice president. I, right. I, I kid you and not. There's a, I, there's a good chance he's going to be president because Biden's old and he might and just Biden retire. I always said he was a transitional president and this HBCU grad, because mm-hmm. I think that's also important to say too, is literally in the White House, not as first lady or first gen or first gent, but as a first gen, <laughs> as a first gen black woman in a an elected office. So she's not there because she has to be there. She's there because she wants to be there. Yeah, she wanted to be there, and the people elected her and and the the president elect Joe Biden into office. You were right. He she she's likely going to be the first black woman president. And. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, because because Biden's in. I'm because speaking. Biden's in. I'm speaking. <laughs> huh? What? You're, you're speaking? No, I was speaking. No, I know that's what I'm saying. I was saying I was interrupting you. I was I was saying I'm speaking for you. <laughs> oh, oh, see, see, I'm speaking for you, Khalil. Really, really? No, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> no, what were you saying? Like I'm, I'm still, I'm just here. I'm sorry. Let Let me interrupt you again. I'm like. Sorry. I'm in this, and I know that by the time this goes on air, it'll have been about 48 hours since we got the news. I mean, you could just put out today. We just go ahead and bang it out today. I already started. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's just, I mean, okay. So so I'm I'm sitting here. So you know, I'm in in LA with my mom, and I I I woke up and it was raining, and I was like, oh my gosh, it never rains in Southern California, right? Like literally, it doesn't. I mean, I was raised here. I know. Years in in Southern California, California. no rain, literally. And um, it was raining. I was like, oh, that's odd, especially because I had this dream about acid rain two days ago. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. But like, so it's raining. And then legit, the news came through. And I didn't hear it. I felt it. I, I, I know it's going to sound funny, but I felt it because after living for years in New York, you start you start to feel when the news is coming and then all of a sudden there are fireworks and horns blaring and everything like that. So the sun peeks out. Like I see clouds and the sun literally peeks out and I turn on the TV and it's like there's election news everywhere. It's like Joe Biden elect. It never rains. Okay, I'm totally deleting that out. But anyway, it's like... It, it, the sun is out. 
And the news is saying that these folks have been elected to the presidency, right? And then it starts raining again. It's like within five minutes, it starts raining again. And to me, I thought that was kind of poetic because I was like, oh, look, yes, it's been dreary. We have a moment of sunshine. Let's celebrate. But next thing is we need to wash away some of this crap that's been going on for the last 244 years. That's my analogy for the day. <laughs> no, I, I kind of wish I was in my apartment in New York right now just so that I could hear the, the, the horns and the people screaming and the Dominicans playing the music loud and just dancing in the street. Like, I legit know that is what is happening right now. And that that's the vibe right now, yo. We've been through through hell. It's been like nearly 11 months of crazy. We started hearing about the coronavirus in January. They locked down this government or this country in March. Aside from the Dodgers winning, which let me know that Biden was going to win, honestly, and the Lakers bringing home the bubble championship, we now have some more good news to enter into the holiday season with and ride us into January when we take over. Yeah, so no one cares about the Dodgers and the and the Lakers. Except for the Dodgers and the Lakers. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Los Angeles in the house. LA, what's up? What's up? And you already claim you're already talking about East Coast time. You're not you're I know, not a real, I know. You're not I a real West Coast. You can't even you can't even represent home. LA. It is so sad. My mother's like, you don't know what the West Coast is. Hey, so like, you've actually right. lived you've actually lived more in the East Coast than you have in the West yes, Coast. Yes, right? I know. Yeah. Exactly. You faking the funk. Faking the funk. I'm gonna have to say, yeah, we're gonna have to change the whole ending because I'm holding it down for one time for the West Side and I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> what you doing? <laughs> I don't know what you came to do. <laughs> oh my god! No, but so BLM before BLM. Oh, okay. So yeah, so we're gonna do Medgar Evers today. So Ooh, yes, a brother man who was born July second, nineteen twenty-five, in Decatur. What? Not the ATL. He's not an ATLian, but Decatur, Mississippi. Nice. So after he graduated from high school in forty-three, he was drafted into the army. Not sure what, if all y'all know, but in 43, 44, what was going down was World War II. So he actually went ahead and stormed them beaches in Normandy. So despite what you think, if you saw Saving Private Ryan, they were <coughs> men in Normandy storming the beach with everyone else. There were. And for whatever reason, your boy left us out, just like people get left out of history. But we no, was out it's there. It's real. Yeah, we was out there holding it's it down one time for the West Side. I'm What's that? But anyway, so this is why one of the things that Hitler did for propaganda was actually drop leaflets on the black regiment saying, why are you fighting for such a racist country? Mm. Can you imagine? <laughs> Which is all kinds of crazy for all kinds of reasons. You but love in but yeah. other countries. Well, no, but I mean, but it was just ironic that Hitler was saying it because Hitler was racist himself. But yeah, but as racist as Hitler was he realized that yeah he could drop propaganda on black regiments but anyways whatever so he had to go through still racism while he was out there risking his life for his country and when he came back like a lot of african americans who came back from wars he tried to register to vote and was turned away with rifles by the good citizens of mississippi good in quotation marks <laughs> Like real quotation marks, quote unquote. <laughs> Which you know, and Mississippi has always been the major um, has always been a majority black state, right? Almost like South Carolina, not, and yet, not majority black. That has it has the highest concentration of black people mm, okay. in the United States, but it's still not okay. majority black. 
No. Okay. No. There's still more of the good, quote unquote, good citizens out there. (laughs) (laughs) So he went ahead and went to Alcorn College, which later became Alcorn State, where he met his wife, Merle Beasley. And he was smart enough to go ahead and get married while he was in college to someone who was going to hold it down for him, for the Mississippi side forever, for life. And and even afterlife, which we'll get to later on. Mm -hmm. So in 52, he graduated. He moved to Mound Bayou, Mississippi where he sold insurance for a brother man um, and his company named Magnolia Mutual Life Insurance. And this brother man introduced him to what was called the Regional Council of Negro Leadership, mm-hmm. which was similar to the NAACP, but kind of a little bit different. But anyways, he this introduced him to activism, and he started helping organize boycotts of service stations, gas stations, that wouldn't allow black people to use the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. And this has actually caused a lot of stir in Mississippi because, you know, the Negroes were getting uppity and demanding to be able to go to the bathroom where they were buying gas. Cause imagine that. Can you imagine <laughs> human beings wanting to use the toilet? Oh my. Right. So it, this was part of the whole anti-segregation movement. So he applied to the university of Mississippi law school and was denied of course, cause he was black mm-hmm. and took his case to the Supreme court. And his, his case was one of the several cases that was, in the Brown versus Board of Education decision that Thurgood Marshall fought for, who eventually became part of the Supreme Court himself. And Brown Board of Education stated that segregation in schools was against the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So you would think that, you know, he went ahead and started school, but no, the University of Mississippi still wouldn't let him in. And you would think that the University of Mississippi would go ahead by 55, you know, have their first black student, 56. 57? Nah. Nah, <laughs> bro. Nah. So until, so this is mind you, 1954, right? Mm-hmm. That the actual Supreme Court decision was passed. They didn't have their first student until 62. What? Eight years later. But anyways, so after 54, he became the first NAACP field officer in Mississippi and advocated for basically trying to get rid of segregation, even though the Supreme Court, in theory, had already gotten rid of it, right? Wow. (laughs) So what he was doing was organizing boycotts of establishments that were still upholding segregation, putting pressure on the University of Mississippi to actually allow black students in, et cetera, et cetera. So... They finally got their first black student admitted, James Meredith, in 62. And in 63, he continued to push for desegregation for all the other um, privately held businesses, service stations, et cetera, et cetera. So in 63, the good people of the White Citizens Council, which no, was no, an organization. No, 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 no. The White Citizens Council. Yeah, this was an organization. That was organized in 1954 when Brown versus Board of Education happened. And their goal was to uphold segregation. So it was basically just an arm of the Klan, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're in the White Citizens Council, you're in the Klan too, most likely. Wow. You know, they had like a 99% <laughs> in that Venn diagram. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically one circle. <laughs> Like, you can't really get the second circle because both circles are together, right? Oh, God, I can't. 
I've been drinking. I've been drinking to celebrate. Excuse yes, me. Clearly. So I'm gonna be a little ignorant. I'm gonna be a little ignorant today. Um. So, anyways, yeah. So the White Citizens Council had been threatening them, um, with death threats, and these death threats were pretty valid because things happened like Molotov cocktail flew through his bedroom, his house window. Right. Yes. So, so like real, real death threats. So he actually had to train his family, his toddlers and his wife, et cetera, so for things like if you hear gunshots, run into the bathroom and hide in the bathtub. And imagine that. Just imagine, I mean, I can't even imagine that as a, as a father who has kids who are his age, like telling them, hey, if you hear gunshots, this is what we're going to do. We're going to practice running into the bathtub. Can and you, other, I right. mean, like, I couldn't even I couldn't even see your son like, like, what? Like, just... <laughs> Yeah, because my son is like yellow. Like he's living his best life. He ain't worried about a damn thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? Yeah. And the fact that, you know, we still have to do that. Even today, even in today where we're celebrating, we all know that come tomorrow morning, <laughs> we still got that number 45 as president and we still got crazy people in this country. Anyway. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, in 63, while he was returning home from a NAACP event and he was walking from his car to his house, he was shot in the back uh, from a rifle, a 30 odd six, and uh, was killed. So his, his family, his toddlers, the, the oldest one who's actually old enough to remember it now, still says that he remembers hearing the gunshot and running to the bathroom and hiding in the bathtub and never seeing his father again alive. So he was buried at Arlington National Cemetery. He was buried with full armor, full honors. Um, his grave is still there if you want to go visit it. Wow. Um, there's there's a big send off for him because he was actually very active in registering black people to vote, empowering black people to just have a basic basic rights as American citizens, et cetera, et cetera. He's also been remembered um, with a college named after him in Brooklyn. So even though we finally chose someone not from New York, we still got to talk about New York for some reason. <laughs> but Medgar College in Brooklyn, he has a statue of him in Jackson, Mississippi. And, you know, he, of course, he was survived by his wife and his young children. So in 63, there was a member of the White Citizens Council who was whose rifle was registered to him, whose fingerprints were all over the gun, all over the the sites, et cetera, that was found at the angle of where the gunshot came from, who was tried for his murder twice by all white juries and twice had a hung jury in the 63 and 64. So the charges were eventually dropped because the state gave up because they were just like, it's not going to happen, Captain, right? Hmm. So this devil was still going around bragging in Klan meetings and White Sins Council meetings of how he had killed Medgar Evers. Hmm. In 73... He actually traveled to New Orleans to try to kill another black activist and was found with guns, ammunition, pipe bombs, etc. Like full on Oklahoma City bomber type shit and was arrested and convicted of attempted murder and had to spend three years in the infamous Angola prison, Louisiana. But mind you, only three years for Mm. plotting to kill someone having all the stuff with them, we're getting ready to kill someone, only spent three years in jail. Gets out, living his crazy clan life. In the 90s, Medgar Evers' widow, Merle Edvers, 
had never given up, had been advocating the whole time, still making a stink. Went to the district attorney and was like, yo, there's all these people right here. We got all these witnesses that, one, they showed that there was juror tampering from the original trials. And two, there's all these people who have heard him brag about killing Medgar Evers. Let's do the trial again. They did the trial again in 94, excuse me, 94. (laughs) Brother man was convicted, sent to jail, first degree murder, spent the rest of his life in jail. So now we're going to bring it to BLM now. So as we're advocating for Breonna Taylor's murderers to receive justice, mind you, we've only been in this, what, six, eight months. Mm -hmm. We might have to do this for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. It doesn't matter. Keep the fight going until her murderers are in jail. I think you bring up a good point. Uh, yesterday, I was I was talking to my mom. I said, "See how long it has taken for America." And when I say America, I mean really white America and whiteness to declare a man fired because of his stupidity, of his fraudulent behavior. Fifty plus years that Trump has been able to do what he has done in real estate, in in civic life, and now in political life. And no one has dared to stop him. Bankers didn't stop him. Financial institutions didn't stop him. Um, Advocacy groups couldn't stop him. Nobody stopped him. Even the people in power didn't stop him until this moment, right? right? But a Black person can carry a joint and they are stopped within seconds. A black person can carry a Lucy and be killed in seconds. A black person, man or woman, can walk down, run down the street for a minute and be shot. It takes seconds for them to stop something that they find evil, to stop humans from living their God-given life. But for a fraudster, for a white man, for white collar activities, it may take decades, centuries for somebody to see justice in this country. There's a problem. Nobody stopped these people. And it, and it takes us. If anything, this election has showed that it takes us collectively all folks who are in the margins, quote unquote, to say stop. And we don't have to murder nobody to stop them. That's the thing. That's the thing about black people in this country. We don't have to murder people to stop them. They will kill us because they are so afraid. But we say, no, let's let's hold your, your foot to the fire. Let's let America do what you said you would do on paper and we will show you how. We will show you how to do what you said you would do since 1776. It is 2020, the 21st freaking century. And you mean to tell me that it is not, it's still not safe for me to walk down the street, to be in my own bedroom, to be a citizen, a human in this country. No, we're going to stop it. We're not going to kill you. You may die in the process because your fear will rot you out from the inside like a cancer, but we will not kill you. But we will destroy you. 
We will destroy this whiteness ideology. We will destroy white supremacy because it has no place in this world. The only place it has in this world is hell. I'll leave it like that. I'll leave it like that. But you will not tell me today or any day going forward that I will be stopped living my life. That you, Khalil, will be stopped living your life. To hell with the folks who think that it is okay to apologize for racism, apologize for Trump. Say, oh, but we were still learning. No, motherfuckers, we are 100% human. We are no longer three-fifths of a person. We were never three-fifths of a person. On paper. On paper. And they exacted to live that out instead of all men and women are created equal. That everybody has the right, inalienable rights. To pursue happiness, liberty. On paper. But you want to tell you want to hold up your three-fifths? You want to hold up your redlining districts? You want to hold up your gerrymandering and voter fraud and voter suppression? You want to hold all that stuff up, but you can't hold up humanity? What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you that you cannot see humanity in somebody else? Who hurt you? That's the question America has to ask itself. And I don't mean, I don't mean America like us, because we've been aware of this for a long time. I mean, America, y'all who keep voting for bullshit, who keep voting for suppression and subjugation and oppression of peoples who have the same two eyes, nose, and a mouth like you, who when they cut, they bleed, who when they lose somebody or something in their life, they cry, who when they see something or hear something humorous, they laugh just like you. They go to the toilet just like you, but you deny them. Why? Ask yourself that. Do better. Do better. And it's at your own peril. Like you're, you're voting for people who are harming you just so you can feel better than the other folks. There is no fucking thing as white privilege. Like you would have that, you would have that ish without racism. You would have more privileges without racism because bond with the rest of the working class and we would be like Europe. Like this is the thing. It's not a worldwide white people thing. This is an American white people thing. This is American white people. Like just like there was South African white people. (laughs) There's an American white people. (laughs) White people in Europe don't vote against socialized medicine because they know that's better for everybody everybody they don't vote by vote against workers rights because they know it's better for everybody yes there's very few pockets where they have some american-ish white people where they're so busy trying to be white that they're voting for their own peril but come on yeah come on do it for yourself if you don't do it for us do it for yourself do it for yourself (laughs) that's the thing do Do it for the vine do it for the vine Do it for yourself. But also as a humanist, I got to break it down. It's like you actually get a lot more joy by spreading love between other people than you do by trying to oppress them. Like you get a little gain of trying to feel like you're better than other people. But when you actually connect with other people, like it's another thing. And, and, you know, it's easy to laugh at Trumpsters because the things that Trump says, the lies are so stupid, right? So like when he, when he tweeted out, stop the count, right? Mm-hmm. So number one, it's stupid because you want to count all the votes. Like there's no reason to not count the people who voted, right? Right. right. But also number two, when he tweeted it, he was losing. Like at that point, Biden had 270 <laughs> electoral college votes, and he would have lost. So it's easy to laugh at them, right? But right. we have to remember. This morning, this literally half an hour before they called it, he sent out a tweet saying, "I won the election by a lot." <laughs> right. 
despite the fact he lost like another popular vote, etc. But no business is a thing. So all of us have been conned by someone, whether it was a partner, yes, a salesman, yes. etc. And we have to remember, no matter how how fucking stupid Donald Trump is and all the shit he says, he's an amazing con man. He's lived his whole life conning people over and like you said, like banks, contractors, yeah. Um, yeah. TV producers. Yeah. No matter who it is, he's conned people over and over and over and yeah. over and over again. So, yeah. and mind you, I do it all the time. I make fun of Trump people all the time. Like I share <laughs> stuff on, on Instagram, like saying like, hey, you know, all you have to do is like, no matter what, I realize that if I say something that, you know, against Trump, just let you know that, yes, I think you're fucking stupid. I'm talking about you, <laughs> right? Like, well, they if if they you're feeling convicted in your heart, right. yes, it's true. Yes. <laughs> I didn't throw the F bomb because of course like you get angry and like, you know, I want to yeah. defend myself and these people have to be racist or at least accept racism, right? right. So it's really right. easy to be angry with these people. Right. Um, but you have to realize that Trump is an amazing con man and yeah. he is not he didn't lead these people. He's just running the same con that America's been running for the past four hundred, five hundred yeah. years to fight everyone. And I don't know how to get everyone together. And I wish someone could figure it out and go ahead and yeah. make it happen, Captain. Because yeah. like we don't need all this stress, stress and strife. Like America has a bounty of riches for everyone. everyone. And if workers at McDonald's were respected, workers at Walmart were respected, if workers at Target were respected, then Hell, if artists everyone, were respected, right? If the average worker was respected, we'd all have more money to buy more things, and businesses would do better. Yeah, like everyone wins. You yeah. could still have billionaires, right? Yeah. But let's just cut it off at like three, four billion, right? Yeah. You don't need a hundred billion. Yeah. Right. And this is the simple thing. If Jeff Bezos had to pay living wages for workers at Amazon, if he had to make the standards at his warehouses safe for everybody, if he when he bought Whole Foods, if he didn't cut out health insurance for a bunch of his mm. workers, he would still have a good still 50 to 70 billion. He He's going to be all right. And there's all these other people who would have a tremendous increase in their quality of life. That's what all we have to buy into. I'm I'm just thinking like the, these ultra rich folks or you know even super rich folks. What do you have to buy into to uh, and believe for you to be able to act in that way and not think there might be something ethically wrong? You might say, "Well, I worked hard for this money." You're absolutely right. But what about the people who are working hard for their money? 12-hour days, 15-hour days, especially in a pandemic, what what stops you from seeing them as also human? Like, I, I, I don't even, I don't have to be in your shoes to know well, that, right? Well, it's, it's as the more wealth you get, the more dissociated you feel from the average person. So why not? You have to be, live then an active life instead of a passive one and actively recognize that there are people who are living different from you and what you can do to help to create the happiest place on earth when it comes to the work environment is to think about the other person. And also just think about when you spend all your billions, do you really want to think about like people who work for you? Like imagine having thousands of employees, right? Mm-hmm. Say 10,000, mm-hmm. 100,000, right? Mm-hmm. And you have the choice between being ultra rich and your employees living in poverty or being ultra rich and your employees living well. Mm. <laughs> The, you know I mean? Come on, come on. That's the choice before us. So which one are you going to do? Right. So people make fun of Bernie Sanders because he calls people like Elon Musk robber barons, right? Mm-hmm. And he's basically just saying like, look, like you're making a killing off the, the coronavirus and the pandemic 
and you're not bothering to pay your workers, not worrying about your workers' bacon safety, like you're a horrible person for that. And that's not really an unreasonable stance, right? No, no, no. Because you can still be ultra rich. <laughs> like we're not even going down the Marxist route of everyone has to have the exact same amount. We're just saying that if you work full time in America, mm-hmm. you should be able to support your family. <laughs> like it's, and you don't even have to be balling. Just like basic, like you don't have to worry about paying rent every month. Like rent is paid. Like you know, you you can have some kind of entertainment. You have clothing. You don't have to worry about if your car breaks down. Do you have to choose between fixing your car and, right. and paying the rent? Right. Like just basic, right. basic ability. And the basic other thing, things is, like that should be like that should just. But the other thing is the economy does better then because so billionaires don't create jobs. What creates jobs is people buying things. Yep. Because if you're running a business you and no, no matter how great, no matter how great your business is, if there's not people who can afford to buy the things you're selling, you're not going to be able to hire more people. So you hire more people when the demand for your goods exceeds your ability to produce those goods. So that way you can make more goods because more people will buy your stuff. Right. Like it's not, it's right. not rocket science. It's not neurosurgery. It's like basic economics. So the moral of the story. Oh, and one more thing before we go. Like, you know, we got into some heavy stuff with Medgar Evers, but the most revolutionary thing you can do is be happy. Right. Mm. So make sure you enjoy this right here. Too big fiasco is leaving. No matter how you feel about Trump, about Kamala Harris, because I mean, they're people. You're going to have some issues with them. Sorry. Kamala Harris. Dude, how much have you been drinking this morning? (laughs) Can I leave that in? (laughs) Hey, but also, I got off work, right? So I worked all night and I just got off work and I started drinking, right? Because I got off work. It's basically my, right now is my Friday night. The rest of y'all's Friday night. This is what's happening right here, right? So <laughs> like, I worked, got off, we doing this thing. But anyways, no matter what you feel about all that, about, you know, I know it's heavy. There's a lot of heavy stuff we talked about today, but the n- most revolutionary thing you can do is still be happy despite right. what them crazy people are doing. So make sure That's you enjoy right. this. Tupe Fiasco's going home. He's going to go home kicking and screaming and crying. And make sure you share all the memes about it and go ahead and be petty. <laughs> Like, I'm going to go ahead and be petty. I'm going to share some of the memes that we got out here about you don't lose your job, right? What? Because it's okay to be petty sometimes. It makes you feel better about life and just go ahead and be petty. Watch a good movie. Be happy. Like, just celebrate. Do something for yourself YOLO. today. YOLO. 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 That's right. That's right. YOLO for life. Hold it down one time for the West Side and whatever she's from. This is your boy, Khalil. <laughs> And your girl, she, and we out. Peace.